0: Are you ready to jump into some true crime docs, crime thrillers, and more? Check out our website for an extensive list of our favorite movies and shows at thesirenspodcast.com slash what we watch, and find our favorite true crime and thriller books and authors, some covered on the show, at the sirenspodcast.com/slash author alley. You can even find special deals for Amazon Music, Audible, Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, Showtime, and even Grubhub. If you're looking to jump in immediately, check out our pinned Facebook post for some streaming service free trials on us.
1: You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast. Brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast
0: contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. So, okay, so today we're going to talk about the Ether Man. We're going to roll right into it. Uh, This guy's name was Robert Howard Bruce, and he was also known as the Norman Rapist. He had three first names. (laughs) He did, I know. I think we've mentioned this before. Oh, this guy. So, So, police described him as cunning. Egomaniac. We're checking boxes here. <laughs> <laughs> he used brutality and his wits to evade custody for years. And he was known for using chemicals such as chloroform and mostly ether to subdue dozens of rape victims in Colorado, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas, which is how he got his name, the Ether Man. And his signature was to break into women's homes at night. He would hold a chemically soaked rag over their face and assault them while they were like out of it. He also would, at some points, use a stun gun. At another point, he used handcuffs, um, glass cutters. He even tried smothering one girl with a pillow. And he was just like on a rampage for a long time. Police said that he ran a food vending business that took him to college towns where he found most of his targets young, physically fit women, several of whom worked in the medical profession, and uh, the attacks were just far enough apart that police weren't sure that they were dealing with a serial rapist because he was literally crossing state lines to four different states at the time. Eventually, details of the attack became so eerily similar that police knew that they were looking for one man who was committing all of these multiple assaults. So we're going to start in New Mexico, May 15th, 1996. Shannon Ferris, who was 17, gets home from work. She was a waitress. Maybe that's possibly where he saw her and followed her home. Who knows? Her dad was waiting up for her when she got home that night, so she lived with her parents. She goes to bed, and she wakes up at some point during the night, and she feels like she's drunk And she's very disoriented. She also smells a chemical smell. And someone is on top of her, and she's, like, trying to fight him off. She um, actually bit one of his fingers while he was trying to hold the cloth to her mouth. And uh, he, as soon as he got bit, he ran out of the home. Now... (laughs) How, okay so her dad was home he was asleep at the time he was the only um, other person in the house and this guy must have been like super sneaky like super sly quiet to, to not quiet. wake up like I don't know how deep of a sleeper this guy was but to not wake up him or her and somehow gained entry into the home like I didn't see where it said how he gained entry but he obviously did it very quietly uh, she looked like she had blood on her face when the police showed up, but it was actually the red dye from the chemical on the red rag that he tried to use over her face. And um, it was it, <laughs> the rag was actually a makeshift rag from a flag that they had had outside the home. He just, like, ripped it off. So, 1997, University of New Mexico another girl Trisha Lachance wakes up in the middle of the night she is being raped she is also disoriented and super groggy and cannot physically fight back so Rich Lewis is the first detective on the case no fingerprints um, no DNA left at the scene Lewis starts putting cases together in a string of serial rapes at least six up to this point now remember we started in 96 And now we're in 97 and there's already been six, including her. So all of these women that were being attacked lived around the university. All with the same stories. And no one can give a description um, because they were so groggy at the time. And no, um, some, one of them I believe did have DNA, but it never pinged in the database. 97 to 2000. May 9th. 2000, Mandra Ryan, 20, a student at the University of New Mexico, had worked all day and was tired and didn't want to go out with her friends that night. You know what? Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) She's home alone and she feels like she's being watched. She pulls back the blinds, and there's a man standing in the window. She actually scared him when she pulled the window shades back, and he fell backwards onto the ground
1: oh my god so he
0: finally gets up and he takes off she calls the police and they find that he had hopped the fence and that initially he had unscrewed the back sensor lights and had set up um, like a block in order to be able to stand in front in the window and watch her without like any light hitting him so obviously she didn't get a good look at his face it's just like a silhouette in the mirror or in the window did however see his face and she put a composite sketch together. White male mid-30s no distinctive features and by the year 2000 there were 11 victims from New Mexico alone. They were literally all about to meet the statute of limitations which was 6 years in New Mexico. Ew! I know! Well it's it's only 7 here. Oh that's true. So here in Oklahoma. Um, but so word that a serial rapist, I want to say real quick, I don't know if it's the same in New Mexico, but I know here, um, if your offender leaves the state for any reason, that statute of limitations is put on pause. Word that a serial rapist was loose in the community. It was kept quiet. Um, Parks, another detective on the case said quote because we didn't want to alarm people until we were sure and because we thought it might be a member of the community who if we made it public would either leave the area or stop and what we really wanted was to catch him so uh, they didn't make it public but there was a serial rapist at the time so, the ether Man was wanted on 44 counts at the time of violent felonies oh in Albuquerque, including rape, kidna- kidnapping, aggravated battery, aggravated burglary, so on and so forth. He lived in New Mexico, um, New Mexico cities of Rio Rancho and Raton. I think I'm saying that correctly. From 1988 to 2003... And the Albuquerque Journal reported that two of the sexual assaults occur, occurred while Bruce was on probation for battery of a household member and interference with communications. Do you see it often that with these serials, like say serial killer or serial rapist or someone who's going out and doing things over and over again, even, even if it's burglary, um, do you see that that has a correlation to have they done things at home domestically before? Well, it, it, sometimes it's like
2: with Ted Bundy, for instance. He was one that usually did not do anything at home. He was very—he didn't want people to know that he was who he was. Right. And so, even Anne Rule, I think, wrote a book, *The Stranger Beside Me*, mm-hmm. and said she worked at a call center with him, a, hot, a crisis hotline with him. Overnight, he took her to a Christmas party by themselves. She never knew. And so, that's crazy. yeah. So he wasn't one to do that, but there are some because a lot of times that's not really their focus is to do that, right? But they, they kind of lose their wits sometimes about them, and they fly into little rages, and so sometimes they can bring that out.
0: I often see, like with serial killers, it is more. Um, of course, it's like the act is violent, but it seems like it's more planned out and plotted and when you have serial rapists it's just like more visceral
2: it is i think they work a little bit more on the moment um i do think that they think about it a lot yeah and i think they
0: think about where they're gonna go but i don't think they think about the act itself right so i'm wondering if because a lot of these serial rapists um we just talked about one with our another guest and um that one had a lot of abuse at home as well. Mm -hmm. And I've been kind of seeing this trend in just serial rapists Mm -hmm. that they seem to have a lot of abuse at home, like with someone in the home or very close to them, like their mom or their dad or something like that. Do you see that as well?
2: I see it a lot more than I
0: do serial killers.
2: I think serial killers are a little bit of a different animal in the fact that they are a lot more sly kenning i think that a lot of times with serial rapists there was a serial rapist that was in the military and they actually made a lifetime movie of it and his wife he was newly married and he would go out every night and she would think he was running and he would go watch you know women and then break in their homes and but he started abusing her too Mm. and so you know i think that they are a lot more um do you think they have volatile?
0: I was about to say. Do you think they just have a lot more rage? Is like that seems to be where it stems from. Is it's, rage?
2: It's usually more of a hate for women. Right. Right. A hate for their yeah. victims, even even males. I mean, you know, you see Jeffrey Dahmer, and, you know, his was his was males, but you see a lot more of a hate. I think for that opposite sex or that sex that they're you know perpetrating. Right. And then you do serial killers where they are. Actually, you know, there's no empathy part of their brain. Right, and they're psychopaths, and so they don't really—they they fly just don't in,
0: feel. <laughs> no, they don't feel. They and, do this to feel, and they yeah. never feel.
2: And so they just want this control and right. this power. Whereas rapists. They do want that control and power, but they have a lot let loose
0: on somebody. Yeah,
2: they have a lot harder time controlling that power. Right.
0: The Albuquerque Journal reported that two of the sexual assaults occurred while Bruce was on probation for a battery in the household and interference with communications. I'm guessing because here, that's like interfering with a 911 phone call. Bernalillo County District Attorney's Office in 2000 indicated a John Doe, later identified as Bruce, in nine rape cases using a DNA profile. It was the first time in county history someone had been charged under a DNA profile with no name. This is so interesting. They charged his DNA with rape. Because they didn't know. They were coming up on the Statue of Limitations. They didn't know who he was. He was not in the system. And so they found a loophole where if they went ahead and charged his DNA profile with rape, then later, even if it was 30 years later, they could prosecute him. Wow. How smart is that? (laughs) That is pretty smart. Wow. So District Attorney Carrie Brandenburg said it was done to avoid running into a problem with the statute of limitations and would allow them to get him down the road. So Albuquerque police said Robert Howard Bruce probably moved to Pueblo shortly after 2000, about the time a New Mexico grand jury indicted his DNA profile. Evidence linked a Colorado inmate, suspected of being the Etherman serial rapist, to a string of sexual assaults that was around the University of Oklahoma. Uh, which the University of of Oklahoma campus is in Norman. And that was from about 1985 to 2005. Bruce was at the time currently in jail in Colorado for other (laughs) suspected rapes. So then beginning in 1985, we're going to have to go back a little bit so that we can get into Oklahoma. Because... He didn't, like, go from one state to the other state to the other state, like, in consecutive order. He was all over the place. 1985 and continuing through 2006, women in Norman were terrorized by an an assailant who followed them home or hid inside their houses to attack and sexually assault them. For nearly 20 years, Bruce terrorized the University of Oklahoma campus where he was a student. Later, he came back to Norman again to prey on young women. Several assault reports included in the case, which was filed in Cleveland County District Court, described Bruce as a man who used violence to get whatever he wanted from his victims. In March 1985, police alleged that Bruce assaulted a woman in Norman while she was asleep. When she struggled, he allegedly told her to be quiet and you won't get hurt. She continued to fight him, so he pinned and handcuffed her arms behind her, then put a pillowcase over her head in another case a woman awoke with handcuffs attached to a dog collar around her neck in July 1985 in Norman records show that Bruce allegedly entered a a sleeping woman's house through an open back window got on top of her and warned her that he had a razor and that he he would use it if she uh, resisted him he escaped that on foot 1991 Bruce's DNA matched a rape case in Albuquerque Police said Bruce might also be responsible for more assaults in New Mexico. Obviously, we just talked about that. And even two um, cases they had at the time in Texas, which um, one city was Austin, Texas, and another Lubbock, Texas. It turns out Bruce had been a student at the University of Oklahoma in the early 1980s. He had moved away. Um, He would fly to Dallas on business and rent a car to return frequently to Norman to stalk OU co-eds and continue the sexual assault until 2006 so there's a woman her story begins in the summer of 85 it was after she graduated with her master's degree she graduated from the university of Oklahoma and six days after she turned 23 she was um, a very involved student she was serving as the president of the women's studies student association and serving as a rape crisis counselor for the Women's Resource Center. She had also started the Take Back the Night marches in 1982. And those apparently still go on to this day. And uh, she became a victim of, of this man. Uh, she said that she had a paper um, about defensible space written with two other people sitting in her living room getting ready to go to uh, this typist the next day and um, she said I became a victim of the exact same demographics that were in my research paper she said I was a part of this world of helping women around the campus and then I became a victim She said, looking back on it, it's ironic. She knew all of the stages of grief. She went through all of it helping other women. Um, But the incident truly changed her life. She said, you don't really know until you live it. She said, I call my life the before and the afterlife. I have the life before, and then I was raped, and then the rest of my life is after because everything is different. There's nothing that's the same ever again. She used to wake up screaming. She used to have nightmares, and she still does sometimes. She said, My children will tell you that I'm neurotic, adamant, demanding about closing the blinds at night because he stalked people. He did that, he watched them for hours through the window. After a while, Terrell said, you kind of deal with it and while your life is never the same, at some point you have to kind of move on. Okay, so then DNA links Bruce to a 2006 rape of a University of Texas student in Austin. Like many of the women, police suspect Bruce attacked the Austin victim lost consciousness after her assailant held a chemical soaked rag against her face and then assaulted her the Austin sexual assault happened in May 2006 and detectives said he broke into the woman's home late at night, rendered her unconscious with a chemical soaked rag and then raped her public records uh, found that Bruce did not have a criminal history there in Texas Stanfield said Bruce had not been linked there yet so they didn't really know who they were looking for Uh, He was also, though, this same unknown person was suspected in an attempted rape in March of 2006 as well. And although Bruce never lived in the Austin area, he was, he did visit a lot. um, Adding that, so officers found records of him staying at hotels near the home of some of the students. And that he was accused of assaulting. And um, he is still, to this day, currently still under investigation for some rapes in Austin and Lubbock, Texas. We know that he had been doing this from the 80s until at least 2006. Yes. You had a run-in with him.
2: I did. I was working at a gym off of I-35, which, if you're in Oklahoma, it is the main thoroughfare and I-35 and I-40 intersect and I think it's the only place in the United States where it intersects and so you can go anywhere across the United States Mm -hmm. right right there so it was actually right next to I-35 and right next to that was a Love's um which is a big trucking gas station yeah and I would work nights a lot of times because I was in college you know and so I would usually close up with the with the manager and one night, I, my friend came to meet me there, and we, we were... How old were you? I was 19. Oh, goodness. 19. I was little bitty, you know, just that, just, you know, not... I think I was, I'm i 5'3", so I was just a little bitty thing then. Yeah. And I was like okay we're gonna go oh. to our friend's house and my friend she showed up there and someone dropped her off and so there we're like my beeper went off <laughs> yes <laughs> I had a beeper <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. god <laughs> it was beeper time back
1: then there don't was no act like you didn't
0: have a beeper
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had I, a Nokia that was my first beeper a Nokia <laughs> yeah. so this is
2: around 1996 and I, my beeper went off. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, we need directions to where we were going to go. So I said, there's a payphone right there. Let's, yes, payphones. I know. <laughs> um, What's a payphone? I know. <laughs> <laughs> let's swing around and go to the payphone. <laughs> well, you know, now I look back and that was probably not the smartest. You were with uh, someone, though. I, I was, but she was also 19. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. And when the manager of the gym, turned off the lights it gets very extremely dark was not thinking about that yeah and the the loves is actually there's a little space between that payphone. The love, the payphone is a lot closer to the gym than it was the left. So it's a pretty dark area it's right like there. Just like in the middle of the parking lot? No, it's like at the very end of the parking oh, okay. lot um, on the west side. Well, it's not there anymore. On the west side, and there's like a little wooden fence that okay. separated that. And then you'd go over the fence, and that would be the parking lot mm. to where I worked. And so I would go out to the parking lot a lot of times by myself at night. Uh, but if you were over at the Loves, you could pretty much see who was in that parking lot. But when the lights were on, but when the lights went out, pretty dark. Oof! And so I wasn't thinking. I'm like, oh, let's just go to the payphone. It's fine. My lights are on in my car. You mm-hmm. know, have headlights. So I pull around, and I said, let's. It was a little chilly that night, so I said, let's pull right up to the payphone. I'm going to pull on your side. You can call, and then get directions, and we'll just put the phone inside the car. Yeah. So we put the phone inside the car, rolled up the window. And I was, we were just sitting there and she was talking on the phone and it just happened so fast. This car just came out of nowhere. And I thought, well, maybe they're going to, cause there was a little turn in where you could kind of turn to go over some places you work that kind of, there was like a little road. Yeah. And it went back to these other little places. I thought, well, maybe he's going back there. And nope. Within a second, that car was just right beside me. And were you in the driver's seat? I was in the driver's okay. seat and I did have my headlights on, but you still, it was yeah. still really dark. And so I was telling my friend, I think you need to get off the phone. And she wasn't paying any attention to me. She was just talking and laughing. And I was trying to watch this person that was getting out of this car in like a blink, I mean, fast. And so they get out of the car, and this is very tall man. Very tall. I would say he was probably, I mean, he's got to be 6'5". Jeez. He's very tall, six four, six five, six six. I don't know, very tall. I mean, back then he seemed like he was <laughs> like yeah. eight foot tall. But, um, and he comes up on me. He has a trench coat on. What? <laughs> a brown trench coat. I'm sorry, just it's, like it's you see funny, in the movies. But it is funny. Yeah, <laughs> and he had on gloves. Oh so no, red flag. And he came up, and he. I made sure to look. I locked my door. Make yeah. sure they were locked.
0: I had power locks, but not power windows. I, this may not matter to literally anyone else, but I'm just kind of wondering what kind of car you had so I can picture it.
2: Oh, I, I thought I was hot stuff, and then I had a, a brand new geo Storm, which, oh... <laughs> Not a lot of people know what that is now, but back then, it was it was the thing to have. It, is that a
0: two, It's a, just a two two door car, isn't it? It's a two door car. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You
1: could pop a wheelie in those. Things. <laughs> yeah, you could. like yeah. that's. I think those are the little cars that the Kiwanis guys drive around in parades. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm sitting there, and he comes up to the window, and he knocks on the window. Like I don't see him. I'm not just staring straight at him, and he said, "Hey, I need directions." And I said, "Uh, I don't know anywhere, which I did because I was from around there. But I said, I don't don't know of anywhere. And he's like, yeah, you do. Could you tell me directions? And I was like, no, no, no. There's loves right there. You can go over there and get directions. And he's like, no, I think I want them from you.
1: Okay, red flag. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: I and I wanted to just drive off. But I knew if I did that the phone, the whole phone thing would come (laughs) with me. Oh, no. And so, and he couldn't go to her side because I was so close to that payphone. Yeah. You couldn't get and the window was rolled up. You couldn't have got over there. Plus we're it's at the very edge of the parking lot. So there's oh a fence gosh. there. So, so I'm looking at him and I'm trying to, I'm like, get off the phone to my friend and yeah. I'm starting to reach over her so I can grab that window and roll it. Cause I didn't have power windows. And he said, don't do that. And I was, and I just kind of looked at him, and I didn't want to take my eyes off of him to get my friend, you know, but oh I'm like, get gosh. off the phone, and he's like, I need you to open up the effing door and give me directions. Did you have your your window still up? My window was up. I so never he was read. like yelling at He's yelling at me through the window. Oh my gosh. And I could see him pretty good because of his headlights. Yeah. That I don't know why he shined his headlights in that area, like just illuminate me he did pretty much and you know it's funny because i remember him being tall and thin mm-hmm. but when you see the pictures of um howard you know bruce mm-hmm. you you see that he is a lot of pictures he's weighs more yeah. and, and so when i first actually saw his pictures years later i was like yeah
0: well also Kinda those looks like him those pictures are from A decade later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I was like, "Uh, it kind of looks like him. And then there was one picture where he was very thin and had on this certain, I don't know, shirt. And I was like, that's him that's him. I knew that was him. And so as I'm sitting there in the car, I'm like, I've got to do something. He's going to, so he started lifting something shining out of underneath his trench coat. And I was like, that's it. We're taking the phone. And so I reached over as fast as I could. I rolled down that window. I threw that phone at the receiver. It bounced back in the car. Oh no. And I took off and he ran (gasps) to his car and took off after me. What? Yeah. And oh the phone bounced out and I like drug it and then it finally came out of the car, but I didn't care at that point. Oh, no. And I went down to the police station, which is actually right down the street. Um, not oh. even a half a mile.
0: Oh, that's good. And So he just drove sta- straight to the police Straight department. to the police station. That's great and he followed me. Oh my gosh. All the way
2: there. And so I was I was like, I can't believe he's following me and I was driving fast. I mean it was just right down the street, but mm. and I pulled into the police station. And I I was going to put on my horn. I mean, I was just putting on my horn. I was ready to have them come out. And he, as soon as he saw I was pulling in and putting on my horn, he drove off fast. I mean, he ran the light and didn't even wait for the red light and drove off really fast. And so... That was the last time I saw him. Um, I didn't never saw him again. I never heard anything about it again until he was arrested.
0: Did you um, go ahead and go in and like file a police report? Or did you sit there for a while? I sat
2: there for a while. And I actually ended up talking to one of the policemen because they came out. Yeah. And because I was like, I didn't want to get out of my car because I thought he was going to come back. Yeah. And, you know, and it's at night. And so I didn't know how many policemen were in there. You know, it wasn't a regular day where they would all be at work. And so... I did, and they were like, "Oh, you know, this is the mid '90s," and they're like, "Oh, well, you know, if are you okay? Here's my number." You know, it was kind of one of those
0: things. (laughs) Gee, yeah, Gee Williker, (laughs) yeah. And so
2: years, years later, when they found, you know, when they, I called and talked to the detective and told him, you know, the story, and I told him everything, and he said, "Well, I don't know." And never really took me serious and actually had told me that he didn't even know he was in the city at that time. But then there, everything I described, he, they were like, yep, that is him. And so, you know, I was like, he was obviously traveling and he obviously probably watched me go out to my car at night after work. He would be over at that loves and That's watch so me. Crazy. And you just get off the highway. It's right there. Yeah. You get gas, you watch a girl get, you know, get mm-hmm. in her car and then he probably was sitting over there watching me saw i pulled around to the payphone and thought this is my this is my time so then i
0: mean that's just a a lot of it is um just like attacks of opportunity Mm -hmm. i really think that's what you're just out and he just sees somebody that is already out living their life Mm -hmm. carefree without him and then he's like you know what that's it that's the one that's just so crazy
2: yeah, and I don't know what he was pulling out of her strange coat. It could have been a taser, it could have been it could have been a gun, well, a knife, I don't he know. He was
0: known to carry a taser. Yeah. So, it could have been uh, I mean, did he seem bothered that there was another girl in there with you? Did he even acknowledge no, her? No, never
2: acknowledged her. That's so crazy. Just did not want me to reach over her to roll the window. He didn't That's want me to reach crazy. over her. You know, it's funny because She doesn't remember a whole lot about it. She just remembers some guy kind of coming up. She doesn't remember. That's so crazy. Because she was on the phone just laughing and looking to the right, never even looking over. Mm Because it it happened fast. Like, he's very, very quick and very quiet.
0: That's so crazy.
2: Yeah, she was like, what are we doing? (laughs) She's like, didn't that guy just, wasn't he just asking you for directions? I'm like, "Um, I don't think that's what he wanted. No. Yeah. She just thought someone was coming up to ask me for directions. Never even looked over. And that just right there shows you. You have to pay attention.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, because that's literally two people in the exact same situation at the Mm -hmm. exact same time. One paying attention and one not. Yes. So if she were in that car by herself. Like he he actually was
2: trying the knob. He tried it a couple times when he was telling me, you know, he needed me to.
0: I would have just like, I would have just stayed there at the police department and be like, I
2: live here now. So, you know, know, I should have, but it was just so, I don't know. It's just like when you're that age and you're not, you know, you don't really, you're just thinking, oh, did that really happen?
0: Well, and, and that's something that I see too. That's, I think that's why a lot of men, even the men in their thirties, prey on females who are, like, between, like, 18 and 23, 24 years old. Mm -hmm. Because they have so much going on. They're distracted a lot with their friends and with their work and and social stuff. And school and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And even when they're trying to pay attention, sometimes their attention isn't just fully there. And
2: Yeah, and now I look back and I think, why was I in that parking lot in the dark?
0: Yeah. (laughs) The pay
2: phone. What time did you get off work? Oh, this was... I'm trying to think it was a weekend. It had to have been what time did they close? I think nine I think we closed at nine Dark. so but by the yeah. time we cleaned up and did everything it was probably close to 10. yeah at night.
0: That's so crazy.
2: He had to have been watching me.
0: I mean it, it makes me wonder if he just like immediately moved on to somebody else you know uh-huh. like how like he was like well this isn't gonna work out i'll just go back to the loves or you know like it's so crazy to think about how people's minds like that i know
2: work. i think he expected me to open roll down the window yeah. or open the door i really do because he at first he was kind of nice i need directions you know and then he just got each time he spoke he got more, more aggressive agitated. and more agitated and yeah. until i knew you've I, I don't care if that phone tears your car up you need to go That is so crazy. And this was what year, did you say? 96. Okay. And I cannot remember the exact month. I've tried to remember, and my friend can't either, the exact month. I thought it was the winter at first, and I was like, no, it wasn't winter because I wasn't wearing a coat. Yeah. He was wearing a trench coat, but it was thin, and I think he did that to kind of cover... Is that, that like, really kind of like
0: the, the, cause that would be the first thing for me. Like it's, it's hot outside. Why are you wearing a coat?
2: <laughs> yeah. I remember when he got out of the car and I remember looking at him thinking, oh, this isn't good. Here we go. And I, that's when I was telling my friend, I think you need to get off the phone. Yeah. She didn't even respond to me. Cause she was just turned the other way laughing at something. And, um, and he was at my car before I could even,
1: Jeez.
2: even, resp- I mean, just even react. And so crazy. he was pretty kind of awkward
1: that's why I bring up that socially awkward
2: he was a little like he was unsure at first and then he just got more aggressive
0: that is like it's so crazy with this guy because he's like so brazen Mm -hmm. in in certain situations and then he's socially awkward and then he's unsure of himself because he's using the ether and the guns, like all this stuff but then I mean you're so brazen to like walk up to somebody's Mm -hmm. car or straight up go into their house and then you're like oh but wait I'm going to need that taser. Like, it's just so, it's almost like he had two different personalities, almost, that were just, like, fighting to take control. I
2: took a very mental note of his face, and I knew exactly, when I saw that picture years later, who he was, because I took a note of every part of his face.
0: That's so crazy.
2: And it's very important for victims to do. Yeah. If you can see their face, memorize everything. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But, yeah, that's just so
0: crazy. Yeah,
2: he, he would have done some. I mean, this for was... For sure. Yeah, this was a, I'm going to get you out of the car, and I'm going to for sure. hurt you in this parking lot. Taze you, put you in the back of my
0: car, take you to a second location. Who knows I mean, what? and
2: he could have even busted out the window in a second. I don't know. I, I didn't wait around to find out. As soon as yeah. he started lift, he just started taking it out, and I saw it was shiny. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, nope, the phone's going with yes, us. I'm out of here. And so, yeah, and he... um. You know, he, I didn't, couldn't tell you what he had on except for the trench coat. Yeah. Couldn't. Yeah. I have no idea. That's so. Uh, I don't think I even looked because all I saw was a trench coat. And I remember thinking, that's so weird.
0: Yeah. It's odd. Is. It is. I, I wonder if if he, like, wore a trench coat to other, you know. Yeah, I don't like, know. Like, was he wearing a trench coat when he was standing outside that window?
2: Well, I asked the detective. I actually did ask the detective about that. And he never answered me. Huh. So, I don't know if that's something they were keeping to themselves for the crime, you know,
0: to, I don't know. Right. And a lot of the victims did say that because they were so out of it, they couldn't even describe him. Yeah. So, I mean, you never know. Yeah,
2: I just happened to be paying attention, fortunately, and, you know, and I didn't know about any of the the stuff I do now you know I didn't I mean I'm 19 years old I didn't wasn't in college even for this degree so you know for my degrees I got later and so I didn't know I just went off what my mom had taught me and off instinct my gut listen to your gut if your gut tells you something's wrong it is did that experience maybe like propel you towards what you do now at all you know kind of a little bit but I think what really propelled me to where I am now was was the crime we talked about with um, Joseph Sear. Right. I think that was really the one that I was,
0: Because you know, he was so close, like he was, you knew him. You knew I knew him, yeah. yeah. And
2: yeah. I knew something was off about him. Yeah. I mean there was just something my gut told me was yeah. just off. But he was so charismatic, you would never know. They always are. Yeah, so nice, so
0: personable, they
2: I mean you just never are. know. Yeah. You never know.
0: So, um, we are going to go ahead and talk about his home life, because he was keeping up a home life at yeah. the time that he was doing all this. So, he actually had a wife and three kids. Step-kids. with kids, Yeah. yeah. With his, well, with his first wife, he had a wife and three kids. He was really involved in their lives. I don't know how <laughs> he did this. Um, the way that she talks about him, he was like, Prince Charming like couldn't go wrong which you know there they are they're so charming uh it said in this article that i read about it that she said he got down on his knees with tears in his eyes when he asked her to marry him so then his second wife whose name was joy um joylyn martinez she first met robert known as howard in a bar in albuquerque new mexico in 2001 She described him to be almost like a Ben Affleck look-alike. I can see that. She said she fell immediately for his charm. And as a single and struggling mother of two young boys, when she heard that Howard was also a single yet dedicated father of three kids, she was swept off her feet. Uh, He was a local businessman. And despite their 12-year age difference, he proposed nine months after they met Um, But they only married in the fall of 2003, so two years after they met, when Joy moved to Pueblo, Colorado to be with him. They had a long-distance relationship for a while. Um, It never really bothered Joy, but a year into their marriage, she realized that she didn't know her husband as well as she thought she did, um, and he was becoming increasingly, quote, Controlling and cheap," end quote. She said that he not only made insulting remarks about the way that other women dress, but he also refused to let her buy makeup or pursue her dream career. Wouldn't let her go back to school. Like, got really controlling. In 2006, things took a turn for the worse when Joy discovered he had secretly recorded himself having sex with her while she was not just asleep, but. Thoroughly unconscious. She was unaware of how she became unconscious. She suspected that she had been possibly chloroformed or ethered while she slept to keep her unconscious. And then found this recording later of him having sex with her while she was absolutely unconscious. She said she didn't know if he did that to her, but it was obvious. In the video that she was like 100% out. 100%. So it, he's now moved into doing this directly in the home. Yeah. So she packed up her belongings and she left after she, sh- she found the video. Uh, she had also found a list of girls' names and addresses and his things. Um, she believed that they were details of affairs that he was having and some of those names did match up so to some some of the actual victims so he was keeping a record of the things he was doing to these women the
1: fact that he knew their names you know like it's one i'm sorry it's one thing to watch people like i could watch people in a supermarket all day long you know I don't know. Follow yeah. them to their yeah. house. I would know what you drive before I know your name. But you're writing down names like what
0: the. I think some of those names came from not him knowing it at the time, but possibly later like news reports you know, or something. Yes, yes, news reports or stuff. And some of them just had descriptions like hot blonde. But I mean, and stuff at like the same that.
1: time, yeah. whenever there's an ongoing investigation, you're looking for a serial murderer or a serial rapist. A lot of times they don't say like where it was, who the victims were. Like, how many times do you see a rape victim, like, in the news? Especially back then.
2: I know. You know, yeah, I damn. don't know. Not a lot of social media. I mean, there was no, no Facebook, no, you know, Instagram. There just wasn't that. There's not
1: a lot of media in the first place. Like, if it didn't, unless it was, I don't know, a terrorist or the Unabomber or something. Like, you live in Oklahoma, you don't yeah. know what the hell's going on in New Mexico.
0: The New Mexico authorities even said they didn't release up to, like, nine... Um, victims because they didn't want people freaking out because there was a serial rapist. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, definitely I definitely don't mean, want you women to
1: be on high alert to, to well, yeah, right. Yourselves.
2: And I knew of the Norman rapist when he approached me. I did know of, of that had happened, but you know, I'm 19. I don't pay any attention to that. Yeah. I didn't live in Norman, though. I will tell you, I, I should have said this. Where I was when he approached me was in Moore, Oklahoma, right, which is. It, it it's like butts up next it to butts it butts yeah. to norman so
1: yeah not very far dear everyone yeah. norman and more just merge right into each other yeah right into it. if it wasn't yeah. for a water tower you wouldn't know where you were so so yeah she
0: she found this list and
1: um can you imagine just picture being his wife for a minute that video alone is enough to make me just i couldn't
0: imagine just Ugh. Go through that. Um, So she, she did pack her things and she was going to leave him after this. And then, of course, he came home and basically talked her into staying. She didn't call oh. the cops? No, she, oh not my. at that time. Nope, not at that time. And she literally had a record right there in her hand, had evidence of him doing that to her. She could have pressed charges right then. And, I mean, maybe maybe the DNA would have matched sooner but he talked her out of it somehow and they managed to reconcile and um I know I know but 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 this is what we were talking about earlier how like you 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 know that there's something off but you don't know how off it is when you're in relationships like Mm. this you just get brainwashed to the other people the other person doing things like this and you just go oh that's normal
1: no, and it's not no even, you're never going to brainwash that, me into thinking me being yeah. dead asleep while you rape me is a...
0: Like, I know. No. no. You would think that, but I mean, you never know how trauma works with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it does all kinds of weird things to the mind. They so, think I mean, it's their fault. Exactly. Done, and they want to fix, build them up and break them down. Yeah, Ugh. for sure. For sure. And so, yeah, uh, she was with him for another several years after that happened and um of course she still had her suspicions she was on higher alert i should say after that uh and then there was one night when they went out um and she ended up blacking out at the end of this date that they went on where they went out for dinner and drinks and she blacked out and she like came to the next day and wondered like did it happen again like So in September 2009, shortly after that happened, she saw a local headline about a serial rapist dubbed the Ether Man and just knew. She just knew. She skimmed some reports. She learned that the Ether Man was Albuquerque's most notorious serial rapist and had been terrorizing the locals since the early 1990s in Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado, and they were all places that they had been. She knew for a fact that he had been to all of them. She immediately started suspecting Howard. She knew that the idea was kind of insane. Like, she thought that she was the insane one there for a while. She was like, there's no way. Then she started looking at the timeline of the crimes, and it fit all of his movements, all of his business trips, all of this, that, and the other. And she was like, I just can't sit on it anymore. And she went and told detectives. So it's, it, and it's also crazy because this kind of is the same as Ted Bundy. His girlfriend was the one Mm -hmm. that gave him up. She was. So, I mean, it's really important ladies. If you're seeing red flags, pay attention to it. I'm just saying things began to catch up with Bruce in 2007 when he was arrested in Pueblo, Colorado on a peeping Tom complaint. Police officer Nathan Pruce was scheduled to testify against Bruce in court in 2009. He was the officer who arrested Bruce. And police said that Bruce was afraid he'd be convicted and have to submit his DNA to a national database that authorities would use to track crimes. And in response to this, he tried to blow up Bruce's home using a 30-pound propane tank rigged to pump explosive gas into the garage. Okay. This officer's family was actually home at the time. Oh. Yeah. And um, so what happened was it's a house much like this one. It's just a suburban home has an attached garage he walked out I believe to go to work and when he walked out to get in his car he saw this propane tank sitting in front of the garage and there was a nozzle running down into like underneath the garage door and being a trained police officer he didn't even hesitate he ran inside got his family and got them out I'm not even sure, I can't remember, um, but I'm not even sure if it even detonated or not, uh, cause he acted so quickly, I don't think it did, um, but then they found, you know, they, they eventually figured out that Bruce was the one who did this, yeah, uh, Bruce was arrested, he was convicted, his DNA sample did get put into the national database, sorry Bruce, Um, It matched him to so many things. So many things. Um, They started examining cases that could be linked to him. Investigators from literally all four states got together, compared notes, found an M.O. It was all the same. So then the Norman police detective Jim Parks, he had already received calls from at least half a dozen women who think that they had could possibly have been a victim that were unknown like at the time there were a bunch of known victims when this was released the, uh, just like calls flooded in uh, he said that the case bothered him for years and he was looking um, to help some of the victims find closure He said, quote, the way everything worked, Mr. Bruce, was a high confidence level. He has a big ego. He was very boastful and was proud that he had managed to not even worry about the police because he felt he was so good at what he did. So over that, what, two decades, 85 to 95 to 2005, yeah, two decades, I guess he'd just been getting more confident, and more confident, and more confident. When he tried this with you, he was already a decade in. Maybe that's why he was so brazen to come at you in the car.
2: Yeah, he he. Well, and I think he would have followed me home if
0: I. Think oh, a hundred percent. Going
2: a hundred percent. He thought, oh, she's just going to drive home because she's going to drive away from me and drive home.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you think about it, that's your first safe space mm-hmm. thought. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just need to get home and everything will be fine.
1: Don't ever do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, please do not do that. Go to the police. Go to Walmart. Go to a public place. Never, ever don't go to a friend's house. Don't go to your mom's house. Never. Yeah. Don't do that. I would
0: say go, just like what you did, go straight to the police department if you can.
1: Well, and I told
2: my friend before who had been, this was just about a year ago, was followed by someone on the highway and she was like, I was, I'm going to get off the highway and I'm, I'm going to go, you know, down this street, this other street. And I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. I said, if someone's following you and she, he was trying to wave her down at first, she oh thought something gosh. was wrong with my car. And then he would get up on her and then back off and he was trying to get her to pull over. And I said, she said, well, there was a big gas station right there. And I said, that's what you should have done. You get off of that gas station, you pull in that gas station, and you lay on your horn. Yeah. And do not get out of the car. Drive around and around and around. Yeah. And do not let off your horn. She Because her cell phone was dead. (gasps) Yeah. I told her, I said, do not go off on some side road. Because he'll go up beside you. No, yeah. He'll run you off the road. You go into that gas station, you drive around that parking lot,
0: and do not let off that horn. Norman Police Department Detective Derek Hopkins Uh, After he had been put in jail and and all is said and done, he got to sit down um, face to face with Bruce and hear him confess to victimizing several of these Norman women. And so he said, quote, the whole interview with Bruce was interesting he was very intelligent he always had a plan before he would commit the crimes he thought things out really well but unfortunately for him technology advanced too much he said in an effort to figure out why Bruce did what he did he said quote you're obviously very smart and you could do anything you wanted to why would you want to do something like this and Bruce's response was simply quote I did He did do what he wanted to. So after Robert Howard Bruce was arrested and his DNA was submitted, um, it came to a match of the ether man. Of course, Joy filed for divorce. With that said, she said that she felt guilty. She said, in retrospect, I feel like I was Howard's ultimate victim. He chose me because I was naive. Most of the crimes he's charged with happened before we met, or after our marriage started imploding. And I felt guilty that his rage at me might have been directed at other women. She said that she found a good job. She still resides in Albuquerque. She appears to have created a stable life for herself uh, and her sons. She prefers to stay out of the spotlight as much as possible. Um, but every time the, do- the topic of domestic violence is raised, she's one of the first one to lend her voice and share her story. She moved on from the past and... Um, literally to the best of her abilities and is now just trying to enjoy life however uh, it doesn't look like she's found another long term partner again since Howard Bruce's first reported rape was in 1983 the first one reported while Oklahoma Supreme Court um, network records only show rapes from 85 to 2006 Prosecutors filed 19 felony charges against him who was serving a 64-year sentence in Colorado for that attempted murder uh, and a bunch of assaults and peeping toms and all of that stuff. He was convicted of assaulting two women in Colorado. Um, Oklahoma records show that Bruce pled guilty or no contest in 2013 to 19 felony counts, including, First-degree rape, sexual battery, forcible sodomy, first-degree burglary, crimes committed over like a 15-year period. He pled guilty to five counts of first-degree rape, ten counts of first-degree burglary, two counts of sexual battery, and one count of forcible sodomy. Prosecutors accused him of attacking people on the OU campus between 1985 and 2006. So in Oklahoma alone, he is serving 177 years At a federal facility. That's just Oklahoma. And then 64 from Colorado. So, yeah. In New Mexico, he was sentenced to 156 years for all of the rapes that he committed there in Texas, he, he was never extradited to Texas. I guess they were like, you know what, like, almost 300 years is enough. Um, so they just never extradited him to Texas, but he does remain under investigation for possible sexual assaults against women in Austin and Lubbock, Texas. So one of his victims from one of those cases uh, quote slew the dragon end quote when she testified. When he was awaiting, awaiting sentencing in Pueblo County Jail, jailers there intercepted a letter, but it said, quote, I had no idea what you looked like or even who you are. You were only a name associated with a foggy nightmare from long ago. When you walked into the courtroom with your shoulders back and your head held high, you slew the dragon with your mere presence. I was so proud of you. This was a letter from him to one of the victims. Um, The woman told the jury that in the attempted murder trial that she was assaulted in a similar manner in June 1993. She tried to fight her assailant before giving up and eventually falling unconscious. The victim said she had no memory of what her attacker looked like, but did remember the chemical smell and waking to find cuts in her nightgown and her underwear. The um, Pueblo rape case had similar facts, so there are still many 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 women like yourself that had run-ins with this guy that were either never reported or didn't know the connection or you know there were 20 in just about every state and those there were still like more reports coming in after he had been sentenced Say I read somewhere they said there could be upwards of 355 I, I know. Women. Well I mean and it's two decades. Yeah. So I mean yeah. There could be plenty of them out there and we <laughs> hey ladies out there listening in Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado, New Mexico um, if you feel like maybe this hits the nail on the head for you you can always contact authorities and let them know. Um, he is serving time but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't report it.
2: Sure, because exactly. your story is just as important as Absolutely. everyone else's.
0: He is in a, quote, undisclosed federal facility. Oh my God. Why <laughs> federal? Um, I, it was probably just a matter of jurisdiction because rape is a felony offense and they can decide to federally prosecute. And they probably didn't want the states to fight about who got him, like to prosecute him per state. But he will serve uh, 156 years concurrently with 64-year sentence. And in Colorado, he was sentenced to concurrent terms of 6 years for sexual assault, 24 years for burglary, 64 for trying to kill that police officer. So, I mean... He was tried in some of these states. He was tried in Colorado, and he was tried in New Mexico, and then they tried him federally. And federal, like, you always surf that first. He's doing, like, uh, a total of 333 years. (laughs) You've reached the end of our episode. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Join Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast.
1: Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?